Thanks for tuning into Behind the Scene, a conversation dedicated to uncovering our biases and how to navigate them in a constructive way. Hi, I'm Mark Bauer. And I'm Brandon Polk. And welcome to Season 3, Episode 2 of Behind the Scene, a conversation focused on understanding the biases that are at the root of society's racial tensions. Today, we are recording our second episode in quarantine, which is just as well because I'm still in Dallas and Brandon's still in D.C. If you listened last week, I am recording in a closet because it's the quietest place that I can get to in the house. Uh, And Brandon is in his high rise in D.C., which sounds pretty quiet today. It's pretty quiet today, man. It's always quiet these days. Yeah. Yeah. well, we are going to be talking about, we're going to continue the uh, the theme of the season, which is check the box and, uh, and, you know, just generally check the box that you are putting other people in or that other people might be putting you in or that you might be putting yourself in uh, and just kind of recognize the confines uh, of those boxes and how they develop and how you can get out of them. And today we, we actually ended the last episode talking about this kind of jokingly, but we really decided to run with it. One of the first, I, I don't know if you want to call it viral. I don't even know what word you would use. But it was one of those shows that people just binged like early on in quarantining called Love is Blind. Uh, a kind of a reality dating show. And full disclosure, I haven't watched it yet, but I've heard some really cool things about it. I was going to tune in and watch it. And then Tiger King came on and <laughs> uh, that that became the new obsession. Oh, dear. Well, we, well, bless his heart. He has the coronavirus. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Joe, Exotic. oh Joe, Joe Exotic. Joe Exotic does while he's in prison in Texas, where you are, actually. Yeah, not far from here. Actually, I didn't know this until I researched a little bit more, but Joe Exotic uh, owned a pet store in Arlington, Texas, where I grew up. Really? Yeah, back in the 80s. But were they tigers? No, they were just like pets, just household pets, gerbils, hamsters, cats, dogs, kind of deal, snakes. Interesting. Yeah. So it's uh, and he he's always been a rabble rouser. He's he was always writing letters to the local newspaper and getting into squabbles with the local city council. Wow, just, you know, kind of shows his stripes, if you will. You know, <laughs> that's very good. Oh, how yeah. punny of you today, Mark. Well, thank you, thank you. God, it's the it is the quarantine, seriously. But that's okay, though. It's bringing out the best, I suppose. Um, <laughs> we'll see. Um, yeah. From Tiger King to Love Is Blind, you still have to do Love Is Blind, though. I think that's uh, yeah. It's 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 a it's kind of like I mean, Love Is Blind is kind of like Tiger King, I guess. I mean, Joe Exotic was in love with his tigers, and these people are on the hunt, you know. So mm-hmm. I guess there's yeah. some parallel to bring there. Um, but you know, for people who have not seen the show, I definitely recommend it. I was avoiding it. I said, this is going to be stupid, of course. And, you know, um, you know, in full transparency, um, I was a 98 degrees fan when I was in high school and in middle school, no high school. Cause I don't think, I think I'm too old for them to have been around when I was in middle school. So, um, so Nick Lachey, I've always been a fan of, and, and I, ironically enough, he actually did a brief stint on the, uh, TV series charmed, um, as, uh, he had a girl's name. I think it was Leslie. His name was Leslie and he was a doctor of psychology of some kind. Anyway. So it's, this show is hosted by Nick Lachey and his wife, whatever 
her name is. And um, not that she isn't lovely. I just don't remember her name. Um, and Nick Lachey, is he married to uh, Jessica Simpson? Is that no, still the case? No, he was married to Jessica Simpson. Okay. But he divorced I... her. He divorced her after he realized that, you know, she thought that, that tuna was really chicken when they say that oh, tuna was the chicken of the yeah. sea. And she was yeah. like, wait, is it really chicken? <laughs> oh my gosh. I, I pulled it up on Google just now and they divorced back in 2006. Oh so my that's gosh. you. I haven't even been in quarantine that long. Oh, I should know and I, I <laughs> you could tell the social media, you know, things were going on then because I remember that story entirely. And that was when, uh, they had a television show. They had a reality show on MTV. That's how everybody saw that incident is because she literally did it on television and mm-hmm. they didn't cut it. They let, you know, she wow. she let them sort of make a mockery of her. Yeah, the I do world. remember that. Oh, it was horrible. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it was. I do I do remember that incident. I don't remember that they divorced because of that. And, well, I don't know if it you know, was really the... because of that. But still, I mean, oh, I would have okay. divorced her because of that. Yeah. I'm just kidding. Well, 2006, uh, of all the things we talk about on this, uh, on this podcast, that's, pro- I'm probably going to get the most like flack for that. That's just <laughs> shameful that I, I didn't know that. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. You should be sorry. You should be sorry. Well, you can, well, you, you don't want to get, you know, um, slammed twice by not watching love is blind because it is actually a really good show. And I was avoiding it. Um, mostly because I'm not, into trends, you know, I want to be different. So everyone, I want to be a contrarian. I I want to um, basically just not comply with what everyone is doing. So um, if I'm going to be excited about something, I want to be truly excited about it. I don't want to be in a cult basically. So (laughs) anytime there's that, that level of excitement, but anyway, because of quarantine, I was running out of things to do. So love is blind. Um, so the concept here is that the the women and, and 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 mind you, this is a very binary show. So there aren't any, you know, like the expectation is for heteronormative relationships. Okay, so just okay. don't no, nobody give any comments. I'm sure in season two, maybe they'll try and shake that up a little bit. <laughs> you know, by having you know people meet um, you know of the same gender or something like that. I really don't know how they'll do that because the concept is this that the girls are all living in a space together for a number of days or weeks. I think it just, just a couple of weeks and the guys are all living in a space together for just a couple of weeks. And there are these pods set up in this, in this room, in this building and uh, people just go in and out of them having conversations with one another, dating one another. But the trick is that you cannot see what the other person looks like um, on the other side of the pod that you're in. It's separated basically by this stained glass. Um, so you can hear perfectly. You can ask each other anything you want, but you just cannot see them. Okay. So what ends up happening is that then there are these couples that make it um, to, to the end of the pod process. How do they do that? Someone has to propose. Get out of here. So you've never seen them. You've only had conversations with them. And someone has to say, I love you. And will you marry me? And then the rest of the entire series 
is these couples trying to figure out how to integrate their lives together, how to come, come together, planning their wedding, meeting their families, and trying to um, work on their physical attraction if it isn't there. And even if it is there, does the emotional connection that they made in the pods actually last? So the very last, um, the next to last episode is the weddings, right? Mm. Here's the trick though is that everyone's got to go to the altar regardless of how you're feeling. But when you get to the altar, this is when you make your choice. Imagine that the minister is there and they go through all of the things, all the things that can be said. Do you cherish? Do you love? Do you take no matter what in sickness or in health till death do us part? And the person goes first, says, I do. And then the next person, you're waiting with bated breath to hear if they'll say, I do or I do not. <laughs> and it's just the most gut-wrenching experience because by the time you get to that last episode, you are just so on a journey with these people and you want this experiment to work, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I get it. But there's so much to be dissected about it, right? And so anyway, we're not going to go into all the details about the show. There's so many weird things that that happen and things that get exposed, but um, the gist of it that I think that is really good for for our for our conversation today is this question that they ask about this experiment. They end every episode by just saying, "Is love truly blind?" We will see, you know, at the end of the experiment, right? So that's the catchphrase for the entire thing. Um, so this is the question we're dealing with today: Is love mm-hmm. truly blind? Yeah. And and should it be? And should it uh, be? You know, yeah. Has love been One blind things, for you? Has it been blind for? Are you asking yeah. me? Or are you? Asking, Have you ever oh, been in a situation um, where you've had to, like, where you couldn't see someone, or where you were like, "Love is blind," and I didn't? You know, yeah. I just don't know where we would have done that in our ordinary culture. Like, just like right. Well, it's something that in my own life I've had to kind of unpack and been like, this is the type of person I'm attracted to. And it was a number of factors, not just physical. Obviously, I had a, you know, a quote unquote type, but also in that, you know, certain personality traits and uh, and different things like that. And so, uh, you know, over the last few years or so, realizing, okay, well, maybe my preconceived ideas about who a person is is kind of getting in the way of like seeing the person for who they actually are and fully accepting them. Because if you have expectations about who somebody is, and I think that that's a problem with a lot of modern dating is that we go into a relationship, you know, you set up your Tinder profile now, especially if that's how you meet or you see you're making eyes with someone across the room at a party, you begin to fill your head with ideas about who that person is before you even, you know, open your mouth to have the first conversation. And, uh, and, you know, like we, we talked about in the pre-call before we uh, started recording, uh, Brandon, you said that this exposes the problem, uh, but it doesn't fix the problem. And so what is what is the problem that this exposes? Maybe I've already kind of alluded to or, or, or touched on it a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I mean, gosh, I mean, I guess there's so many problems. But, you know, the this show, I mean, let me just start by saying this. I thought the first thing I thought about you know, watching the show is if I could do this, I would probably be married today. 
I literally thought okay. I was like, if I could go into a pod where no one, I mean, that tells you how much I, how, how highly I think of myself, but I go into yeah. this pod and no one can see me or hear me. Right. I think that's the thing that people are like navigating through. Like if I'm going into a situation and I'm like, okay, like these are the things that I feel like are the barriers, you know, to finding an honest, um, an altruistic partner, someone of character, someone who I will emotionally connect with first. And the assumption, you know, is that if I'm um, not able to make any prejudgments based on physical appearance, you know, then I'll be able to, you know, make a lasting emotional connection with that person, right? That, that, and maybe the, the experiment goes so far as to try to test you know, if any emotional connection that is romantic has the potential to go all the way to marriage and last for a long time, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I think that, that what rings true in, in the show is that that's not the case because there were a number of these couples, you know, that had the emotional connection, but they didn't make it to the altar, right? Like they, they, they made it to, to the altar, but they didn't get married, you know? And, mm. and uh, so I came to the conclusion that it's, it's not that, that the problem is, is not um, whether um, or not people are um, capable, you know, of making an emotional connection with someone that they haven't seen before. The problem isn't, you know, whether or not people are able to make a lasting romantic connection with someone that they're with um, or, or, or with someone that they meet and, and they never see. For me, it's the question like, is love blind? And I think that what this exposes is, is that we, we want to be so reductionist on the things that we see every day in people that we are either unattracted to or say that we have preferences for. So let me unpack that a little bit. For the marriages that didn't make it in this show, it's my theory that they didn't make it, not because their emotional connection wasn't authentic. It's because one or both of the people didn't have the maturity to get past their own preferences. They were judging even after they made that emotional connection based on um, how a person looks or they were afraid because of their age or because of their height or because of their whatever. And the list goes, goes on, right? And so... I think that those those things, you know, that we can't get rid of about ourselves, you know, um, w- one, we shouldn't need to mitigate for those things, right? Like, like we we should be okay seeing people with value and being open to them regardless of their race, regardless of, I mean, I'm 5'3", it'd be great if someone saw me, <laughs> you know, I said, my limit, I got a limited dating pool, you know what I mean? For like women, you know, that are my height or shorter, you know, so someone's going to be taller than I am either way, you know, but I know, at least I feel that that's sometimes a, a barrier. So like what happens when you know, I go in, in into this experiment and I meet someone that's, let's just say the woman is some crazy height, like seven foot nine or something like that. You know, she's a WNBA player and all of this, you know, will she choose me? Will I choose her based on those, uh, based on some obvious challenges? Why are those challenges there? And And what are my obvious preferences and what are her obvious preferences, right? And I think that, um, you know, if, if, if we were to even whittle this down to, to race, basically, 
the the people in these pods, you were able to ask questions, whatever question that you wanted. So you knew what race that the person was just because you were able to ask them or you assumed based upon how they talked, right? There was still this area of bias, you know, in this experiment that helped to drive decisions, you know, but the people that were already open, you know, and mature were the ones that were successful, at least in getting the I do's to the altar and being with each other for at least a year. Right. So, um, so yeah, so I think that the experiment has its value. It highlights the problem, but the solution is not about whether or not about trying to make love blind. It's about making people, um, being open to accepting people the way that they are. That's the real test on the other side of the blind experiment, right? It's accepting what you see (laughs) after you've made the emotional connection. That's the challenging thing. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's basically, it's the, the different side of the same coin when you talk about love and hate um, and you know, what is hate or bias or racial prejudice, but a preconceived idea, and, you know, that's what we're trying to avoid uh, in this conversation. Every time that we sit down to record together is, is we want to talk about what are the preconceived ideas that we have around race. And these pop up in all kinds of areas of our lives. That's why many of our conversations don't even necessarily, you know, they're they're race adjacent. But we're trying to show you and demonstrate that our biases pop up in all kinds of areas of our lives that we don't even know uh, realize are there. And so, you know, whether it's a dating preference or a preference in someone that I find attractive, um, you know, that's all drilled into us from a very young age and programmed into us. And those are very powerful drivers because they feel so natural. And so, you know, like you say, if you make an emotional connection with someone, do you have the maturity do you to, to overdrive that if, if that person doesn't meet whatever physical standards that you have already mm-hmm. in place. Mm-hmm. And what I think is really interesting is that, you know, I mean, we talk about, you know, this or people talk about preferences in the context of dating a lot, you know, like I don't date, you know, white people or I don't date black people. And, and sometimes it's people of opposite races that are doing that. Like I know a lot of white people who are like, I only date black people. I only date Latinas, you know, I think that's equally as problematic, <laughs> you know? And, um, I, I think that, uh, you know, this doesn't only show up, though, in the context of dating. I think it shows up in how we choose our friends, too. And the the groups that we tend to lean into for not even cultural reasons, right? It's just literally ignorance. And so I am always, not always, but a lot of the times I am the only Black friend that some people have, you know? And... Mm. um. I'm definitely the only black friend that some people have who are educated and um, are working in certain spaces and culture and, and society where most people are white or are part of the majority. Um, I am also um, aware that if that's the case <laughs> for most of my white friends, they also don't know any black people who have engaged or, or, or brown people who don't have privilege like I do, right? Like I have a certain degree of privilege that's come through education or opportunity, rather that's come through education and my vocational pursuits. But they don't know anyone that's in that, that is, and I don't mean someone that is like on the margins, poor black, you know what I mean? Or poor brown. 
and you know what I mean? Like they don't know someone from a different class per, per se. I mean, but they don't, but like they're not even rolling in circles where the groups are um, black acts or, or black access or they're black groups of excellence. You know what I mean? Of like black professionals and things like that, where the majority of, of the group happens to be black. Like these people, you know, just don't have the opportunity and they don't think about it. Right. And, mm. and we think it's be, and, and, and part of it is about opportunity. Part of it is just that, you know, if you're white in this country, we've said this before, you have the opportunity, you know, to never see a black person if you don't want to, especially if you're living in rural or suburban areas, you know, um, and uh, the reverse is not so much true. But so some of that is practical just because of opportunity or lack of opportunity. But I, but I do wonder, you know, how much of it is actually an unconscious bias, you know, where we lean in and, and, and try to, gra- and we gravitate towards people that look more like us, that, um, that we're more comfortable with the way they look, we're more attracted to them, even as friends. So we lean into them a certain way, right? And I think that whether you're black or brown, you know, sometimes that happens with people of different status right with a different status quo and and look at like crazy rich asians you see that all the time right you see that movie you know and um Mm -hmm. and that happens you know or the way that people you know look if they're overweight or underweight or here again if they're too short or too tall if they're lanky if they're nerdy if it's the personality thing or whatever you know and that's not to say that you know people can't make choices about who their friends are i'm not trying to be all weird about it and extreme about it but i think there is something about this problem of preference making you know what i mean but we don't treat people with kindness and we're not open to love you know mm-hmm. in real ways yeah. you know i guess that's kind of what the you know the question is is love truly blind should it be and then i it's probably drilling down more to what we would call superficial preferences you know like versus you know some real core compatibilities that come from knowing yourself and and that's probably what it you know wants to steer you away from because uh you you also have to know yourself pretty well to know okay well this is what is a superficial uh preference of mine you know i want someone to look or talk or act a certain way uh but really when it comes down to it i just really need to be able to to support this person you know if you're pursuing marriage for the rest of my life and we need to be able to to do work together and do it well together be kind of co-laborers in life together uh and that goes beyond you know an attraction which is important mm-hmm. but the longevity is based on something more foundational so yeah i guess my question to you would be how do you identify what's superficial and how do you flesh that out between what's superficial and what's more like foundational or core to who you are so you don't sacrifice that because then that breeds resentment, you know, yeah. if I'm like, ah, I'm just going to power up uh, for the next 30 years of my life. Well, yeah, you might turn turn into a shell of a person. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's just a character thing, <laughs> you know, like maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, from superficial things, you know, um, I think everyone's got to a materialism streak in them or whatever it is, you know, where we're just kind of selfish about what we want. And I think that, I don't know, maybe it's, and, and I don't know, cause I've, I've always just been an open person, you know, to people and how they look and making relationships. I've actually leaned into it. I've wanted to do that. I love diversity, you know, in thought and experience. And, and I don't, you know, I don't know. It's, it's not that I, 
I just don't tend to hang around people who don't share those values, even if they don't know how mm -hmm. to practice it. You know what I mean? Like I'd much rather, you know, um, uh, be around people who are at, at least in an anecdotal way open, you know, to people that are different, you know, and, um, and are curious, you know, even if I have to bring it up first, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, even if I have to remind people that I'm different than they are in my friend group, especially if they're like, yeah, you guys, I'm different. You know, like I, I have different experiences. I have a, a diaspora that's coming with me. And so I don't really know. I mean, how we break, you know, down and sort of say like throw out the, you know, baby with the bathwater on superficialities, you know, um, mm. and how they can be valuable, I, I guess, you know, for being able to, acknowledge, you know, like what I want in a partner or what I want in a friend or what I want in community, you know, and I think that there are varying degrees, of course, of engagement, you know, um, given those superficialities, you know, like if, if I'm not able to help a poor person because they're black, like they have to be white and poor before me, like before I help them because I just don't like someone that's a different color. Well, that's obviously not an appropriate use of your superficiality, right? Like, you know, as, as if there's a, yeah. an, an appropriate way to look at that. So I, I don't really know. I mean, I don't know. I don't yeah. know if there is a value. I, I don't know. I'm sort of going back and forth on it, but I, but I think that, that the, the main thing, you know, that's, I, I think can, can be a, 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 a true North, you know, for everyone is that if you're resistant, you know, to, I mean, the example we're going off here because of love is blind is that if you're resistant to loving or dating someone of a different race, uh, then you should just ask yourself why I'm not even saying that you need to change it. I'm just saying, check in with yourself and say, is it because I'm superficial or is it because I'm racist? You know, cause I don't know if yeah. I can answer that question for anybody, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I guess too, I'm, I'm kind of wondering like, uh, like early on, I, I kind of joked that if I was forming a post-apocalyptic group, you know, you can apply. And the only question is, do you chew loudly? Do you make a lot of noise when you chew? Because if you do, then that's the only thing I need to know. You're out. Like, I can't. Uh, yeah, I can't do it. Like, that's my thing. I'm like, yeah. oh, if we're going to be sitting around the campfire and uh, you're going to be munching over there, I'm just. Oh, I'm, gosh. I'm going to be thinking bad thoughts and God's going to be working on my heart every day of the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, but like, that's something that, you know, it's, it's kind of funny to joke about, but it's, you know, if you go on a date with someone and they're munching loudly, you're just like, I, I'm not going to be able to do this. Yeah. Like I, I, I've known women who have not pursued men who they otherwise thought would be good fits just because they're sloppy eaters, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, I've not dated someone because I didn't like their laugh. I mean, I've done that. That's fine. I was like, it yeah. just irritated me. Um, and so is that superficial? Here's, here's, here's the thing, like having a preference, you know, for someone, you know, who I, I just don't like their laugh. Like it's not a game changer. You know what I mean? Like that's not the entire reason why I didn't date this person. You know, it was just icing on the cake really. Cause it was just a, I, we had differences in our maturity and, we were coming from, we had just, we just, we just didn't connect, you know, in, in that way. And that superficiality, quote unquote, was just on the list of things that I didn't like, you know, 
But if I really emotionally connected with that person, I would totally look past a laugh I couldn't handle. You know, like my moral reasoning, my moral compass would be like, heck no, I'm not going to let the love of my life go by. You know, I would just tell her, I'm like, hey, look, like I just need you. I'm not even trying to change her laugh. I just need to let her know, (laughs) you know, that I'm irritated (laughs) and it's my problem. You know what I mean? Like my superficiality is my problem. She doesn't need to change, you know, but if I go into a, a, a relationship basically, and I just say, Hey, you know what? I talked to you, you know, I was getting catfished. I saw this picture, you know, of you, you, you presented yourself one way, but really, you know, you just happened to be, you know, a little bit more darker in your pigment than what I'm used to. So I'm just not, even though we made this amazing connection morally, I have to say no. Right. No one would ever say that. And then claim it as good morals, you know what I mean? And and be able to justify it, you know? But some people do that, though. So let me not speak too soon. Some people do that. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, I've heard someone, uh, a friend of mine posited an interesting theory once that was like, I think we pretty, we know pretty well pretty early on who we are into or not. And then we find reasons to kind of support that thesis. So if I'm just not into you, then I'm going to begin to look for reasons like an obnoxious laugh or you're a sloppy eater or to support the, uh, the reasons that I don't like you. And so, you know, you strip away the superficiality, but we're just trying to put real meat on the reason because maybe we can't even deduce it. And I think that we have a lot of things that are running in the, our backgrounds of our subconscious that, uh, I don't even know if I said that right. That <laughs> sub, sub, kind of informed subconscious, sub, subconscious, yeah, subconscious sees. I, I think I was trying to That's pluralize. Fine. I don't know. What I was doing there. <laughs> Some consciousness. Quarantine talk. <laughs> right. uh, yep. But then I think we just try to put reasons behind it and words behind it. And that way, you know, when we tell a friend, "Oh, I thought you two would be so good together." Well, no, it's actually these things. Uh, and then uh, the opposite is true too. I think maybe if we do really find ourselves connecting with someone, then we want to kind of just grasp for anything to support that thesis. And, you know, uh, oh, I think they would be a good mother or yeah. I think they'd be a good father, a good long-term partner. Uh, we love serving together at church, like, uh, or going to, uh, you know, we're both foodies and we love going to find a new restaurant to yeah. eat it on the weekends. Uh, yeah. You know, I think that there's a real possibility that that's going yeah. on. Yeah. And I think that's, I mean, I think those things are fine. I mean, I, I just think that, you know, we should just be curious about it. Like I'm not here to lay down some weird rule or something that like, Oh my gosh, every time, you know, if you must have, if you tend to have a preference, you know, for, you know, if you're white, you like dating white people, that that means that you're racist. You know, I just, it's just, it's, it's like um, it, to go back to this show, there was this couple and they're talking and, and the thing and the pods, he's white, she's black. They figure this out, you know, that, she's black and he's white and she's never dated a white guy before he has dated black women before it seems like his previous relationship actually was i guess three years or five years something some long period of time with a black woman right so it wasn't a thing to him he was more open to it you know um she was less open to it but chose it anyway they end up getting married they go through with it they have to go through all of the challenging conversations about being in an interracial marriage and interracial relationship and, you know, and, and to top it all off, she's not like, I mean, she's like fight the power black woman, you know, she's like, 
you know, an outspoken kind of advocate, Black Lives Matter person. Her dad is the same way. They're all about Black excellence and and the plight of the Black family and just like understanding some of those things, you know, in a really positive and constructive way, you know. And they, and and literally, I can feel it, like my own heart beating fast. They were the final couple on the marriage, you know, sort of train. And I was just rooting for them. And I could feel like if I was watching this with all of America at one time, we'd be rooting for them, right? Because it was the best of us, right? That they were com- they were challenging one another um, with the differences. And this girl, her name was Lauren, I think her name, and she went right up until the very end and he just didn't know if he was going to, if she was going to choose him um, because of these complications, you know, with race and, you know, whatever. Um, if they could actually make their marriage work or if she was just really into him because she had never dated a black, um, a, 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 she had never dated a white man before, right? So it was just this interesting thing. And they said, yes, they're still married, right? So it's just like she, she managed to get over it enough to say that's so trivial of me to hold it against him that he's white, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that yeah. there's just a line, you know, that just gets crossed. But she went through and he went through the introspection process in a really messy way to get to a really great conclusion. And I'm not proposing that everyone's going to get to that conclusion because of it, you know, because of that introspection. But I am saying that it's worth considering that, you know, love is not meant to be blind. It's meant to be accepting of differences. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's everything, you know, uh, I guess that's the the whole point of it all is love is accepting. Um, and you know, but even what we call love can come with preconceived ideas that, uh, act as, uh, blindfolds to that acceptance. Uh, just like preconceived ideas can act as a blindfold toward the acceptance, uh, you know, uh, to hate someone or to be prejudicial against yeah. someone. And, and so, uh, yeah. That's that's it. I think that's right, man. And I think, you know, for, you know, for, I don't know, I kind of sit right in the middle, you know, as a, as a brown person, I just go like, you know, even if I fell in love with someone of a different race, which has happened before, um, sometimes I think it would just be easier to be with someone of the same race, you know, who would understand certain Mm -hmm. things. So is that a bias? Is that a preference? Eh, I don't know. You know, um, I just don't have one, you know, for, but I think I've learned to not have one because I haven't felt like I could have an option or I could have a preference. So it does kind of irk me when people are like, oh, I'm only attracted to this kind of person. Like I've never really felt the freedom to go after some kind of preference to look, you know, for some Mm -hmm. person that has looked a, a, a certain way, their body shape or their whatever, you know, I just haven't felt the freedom to do that. So that could be some of my frustration on it is that my own personal and my own personal reflection, just feeling like bummed, like some people are just really free about it and can just, they just go after what they want and it's fine. You know, (laughs) you know? Yeah. 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 I I think this was a conversation that came up with a friend. I don't know if we talked about it in this episode in the uh, racism and dating episode with Todrick, but I, I know it was a conversation that came up with some friends afterward and that is Obama, uh, Barack Obama, President Barack Obama, when he was dating in college, he was dating a white woman. Uh, obviously, he ended up going on to to break up with her and marrying Michelle, who's a black woman. But uh, I've heard and I've read that 
that was an intentional decision. He didn't think he had aspirations for a long time of becoming president of the United States. He didn't think that he could necessarily achieve what he wanted to achieve if he was dating <laughs> a white woman. And someone uh, who I was having this conversation with just reacted so strongly against that and was saying, well, that shouldn't matter. That shouldn't matter. And I, I defended yep. it because – it wasn't it wasn't in the driver's seat like he wasn't saying, well, I can't be with a white woman because I, I just I'm not attracted to them or what what have you. But that would have maybe been a real barrier to what he was trying to achieve in in the mm. long run, what he felt was on his heart to achieve. And a lot of that had to do with, um, you know, racial achievement, being the becoming the first yeah. black man uh, as president of the United States. Yeah. Uh, so fascinating. So I think that there's a real That's so fascinating. There. I actually hadn't heard that before. Um, I mean, my gut reaction to that is kind of like, gosh, that's just sad. I mean, I get it. I mean, it, it's not sad that Barack would have made that choice. I mean, I, I just understand why that was a choice. I understand why that was factored into the choice is my point. That isn't to say that he doesn't love Michelle and he doesn't love their kids, you know, and that it was just a decision mm -hmm you know, that he made and it's, and that their relationship is fake somehow. I don't think that's right. But I think that literally needing to factor in that choice is here again, one of the ways in which even, you know, an African-American president, <laughs> you know, is still not the most privileged person that's, <laughs> you know, that's lived on mm -hmm. the planet. You know, I think that, you know, m let the situation be different. Let's just say that it was, you know, how George Bush and Michelle Obama like love one another. You know I mean? They're always touching each other and handsy. Like, like what if George Bush, you know, was like married to Michelle Obama? Would that have even hurt his chances of becoming president of the United States? Not at all. It might've boosted him up a lot more, honestly, if he wasn't married to, you know, to Laura Bush, you know, and married to Michelle instead, like Michelle Bush. I mean, come on, that's just not going to work, <laughs> you know, but still, I mean, it's just an interesting thing, you know, that even as you're coming up, you're an up and coming star, black and brown person in politics, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not a progressive, you know, I'm, I, I wouldn't necessarily consider myself a, a, a liberal in most ways. Um, I, I don't agree with all of Obama's policy choices. That being said, I completely understand his position, you know, of needing to choose between this or this, or if I choose this, will I lose this? You know, if I choose, uh, you know, this white woman, will I never be able to achieve my dream or even go after my dream of being president of the United States? Now, Who's it, it? It may not. It may have been a non-issue. We don't know, right? But given several data points, some assumptions we make because of those data points, it's not an unreasonable conclusion to say that that would have hurt his chances. Yeah, yeah. But as many people who would you know call him uh, so many things, I'm sure uh, you know dating uh, as much vitriol was leveled against him. It, Oh, as goodness. it was. Oh, bro. Uh, you know, you could see it coming from <laughs> yeah. both sides. So I think that that's where we, you know, maybe that's where we yeah. kind of land it. Like we don't, we don't have a rule, but it definitely has to, you have to definitely know yourself. You have to, to know what it is. You have to be curious about yourself to know yourself. 
And then you have to be able to test those things against, you know, anything, whether it's a potential spouse, uh, a relationship, romantic or otherwise, or friendship, because there can be friendships that can cause you to compromise your core value as well uh, and test those things. And, uh, you know, if you want to, you know, you have a long term goal or you you feel like you were put on this earth for whatever purpose that was to achieve uh, and things are getting in the way of that, it it might not even be a person. It might just be a habit. Maybe you're uh, a sloth. Maybe you're sleeping in too late when you should be uh, getting up to to bake that bread a little bit earlier. Uh, a variety of things can get in the way of that, but you can only know and realize and understand those things if you're mm. curious about yourself. And then uh, accepting the things uh, that are that might be superficial, that you might be run from, uh, that wouldn't compromise that, but you're like, eh. It's just not mm-hmm. my preference uh, and kind of lean into it. I don't even know. I that's, think it's right. I mean, the whole, our whole thing is like, look, just d- stop checking boxes for people and <laughs> stop, you know, like, even if I say love is blind, you know, like, let's just stop checking that box and just saying, let's just stop making assumptions mm-hmm. about it. You know what I mean? Love is not, is likely not blind, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like, it's like we just <laughs> jump from one extreme to the next and, you know, it's, it, it and we hit these themes all the time about, being introspective, you know, having the value for being curious about yourself, being open, challenging your own proclivities, right? For deeper character and value development principles that you live by, you know, and not just going along with, with the status quo, like literally doing deep dives on why and what, why, why I am who I am, what I choose to do with my life, you know, what decisions I choose to make based on those, those those whys, you know, for what I feel like I'm, I'm meant to do and who I'm meant to be and what I'm made to represent, you know, is a supremacy or a choosing sort of an Aryanness and how I choose a partner or how I choose friends. Is that appropriate, you know, to, and, and, and is that an accurate kind of reflection of who we want to be, you know, as individuals, you know, and that's a, that's a challenge. So I appreciate the love is blind experiment. You know, I can't wait for season two. You guys should check it out. And they should give us yeah. money for yeah. being for sponsoring them right now. Oh, totally, a hundred percent. And I, uh, I definitely need to catch up on season one before yeah. season two. I think it's, I think it's May. I might be wrong. It might be May. Okay. Oh, really? Well, so that that's maybe you. I might be wrong, but yes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. okay. Well, nice. Well, there you go, well, everybody. <clears throat> there you we go. And I don't know that that didn't segue normally by the end of a conversation. We're like, Oh man, we need to expand yeah. on that next week. But I, I don't think know it's, we, yeah, we'll, we'll see we'll, we'll, what comes up next as we ruminate. I mean, the, I think we've pissed some people off already with this one. So maybe we should just start brand new. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. You know? So well, yeah, I'm sure we can come up with something to agitate. Always. always somebody. Always. Always the point. So, always the point to agitate. Yes, yeah, sir. Very good. Well, I appreciate, appreciate you. And uh, whatever it is that we decide to come up with, we will be back in a couple of weeks discussing whatever that is. And if you have ideas about what that should be, reach out. We're on social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, everywhere. <laughs> We're everywhere. Reach, reach out, out to us. Reach yeah. out and touch somebody's hands. Stay safe right. and stay healthy out there, world. Thanks for tuning in to Behind the Scene. Just a quick reminder that the views expressed in this podcast are strictly that of 
Brandon's and mine and do not reflect that of our employer. Uh, and then second, if you enjoyed this content at all, we'd love it if you could like it and subscribe. And then of course, if you think you had know anyone who would benefit from this content or would like to engage with it, please share it with them as well. And we will see you next time.